Download a podcast from Relay FM recorded Thursday, August 24th, 2017. This is episode 18, A Bit of Deja Vu. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff you care about. I'm Jason Snell, back from a week off. Thank you to Download producer Stephen Hackett for hosting the show last week. Hi, Stephen. Hey, welcome back. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. We are joined this week by two wonderful guests, Carolina Milanese, analyst at Creative Strategies. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me back. Thank you for coming back. I appreciate it. And also returning, Florence Ion, uh, who I used to work with at IDG, host the Material Podcast at Relay and all about Android on Twit. Hi, Flo. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm getting back into the swing of things after being off last week. I it's, know what you know. that's like, but I, I'm doing vacation next week. So oh, good. I'm going to be swapping places with you. Good times. Good times. It's good to get out of, uh, out of the usual for a little bit. It's a good, it's a good thing. All right, let's get down to it. The most interesting stories of the week as chosen by me and Stephen Hackett. And topic number one, and perhaps knowing who's on this episode, you might think it might be Samsung's big event on Wednesday announcing the Galaxy Note 8. And you would be right. Of course, last year, <laughs> the Galaxy Note 7 had to be recalled and canceled. It was very bad. Samsung is now back. They have a new model. It'll be released September 15th. It's interesting. Some of the new features that they called out are actually features that were in the Note 7. But since it sort of didn't exist after that, you might as well call them new They're again, new. right? Why not? There's two cameras. They're, they're both... resurrected. They're resurrected. Yeah, exactly right. Back from the dead and uh, ready for you. Two well, at cameras. Least not back from the ashes. O- optical image stabilization. There's a uh, bokeh mode, kind of like the one that Apple introduced last year. There's a, b- a bunch of Bixby assistant stuff. There's some new S Pen stuff. So um, let's talk about it. Carolina, were you? Did you go to this event? I did. Yeah, it, wow. it was, um, well, yes, <laughs> back and forth to New York from Oof. the West Coast in two days. Um, but I think it was worth it. Um, and and the first thing that I think was interesting to see for me, you know, leave the phone for a second, was how Samsung was going to handle the actual event. Um, because if you've been following closely, you see them explain what they'd done uh, from a QA perspective uh, to really make sure that they're not going to encounter more issues going forward uh, with batteries or other uh, issues with the hardware. And so th- they have been very vocal about that and they apologize profusely many times. Uh, and so I was curious to see what they would do at the actual event, because this is, you know, the jokes about, is this still going to be hot? Uh, is this the one that doesn't blow up? And the list goes on and on, right? Um, they, there have been plenty in the press going and uh, leading up to the event. And I thought it was nice that they put their fans first. And they, you know, the, the whole initial pitch from uh, DJ Co was really, directed at the Note fans, who are really uh, Samsung's fiercest fan base. Um, they're kind of like the, the, you know, the core Mac user type for Apple. 
Um, and, and I thought that was nicely done. There was, uh, you know, again, a, an attempt to say sorry, but done it in a nice way. Uh, and then they got down to business and talked about the phone. So I actually got to use the phone um, a few weeks ago. So I've already like had a little bit of hands on time with it. And I just, I, it, it feels like, uh, it feels like a little bit of last year. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> a little, uh, so, little uh, deja vu in, in uh, phablet form. Well, the reason it's deja vu is because I was equally as impressed with it this year as I was with last year, I have to say. It's a really divine kind of device. It's really, it's shiny and it's pretty and it's got all that extra utility with the little pop-out peripheral. I have to say, though, I'm I'm actually a little jealous that Kirlina was there because I saw what was transpiring on YouTube and it looked quite exciting. <laughs> it's a nice little spectacle. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was it was great venue, right? And now they got us accustomed to this dancing of yeah. like 70 people at the end of the event is quite bizarre thing that they do now. Um and they were actually uh note fans that were there and you know with their phone and and they were so excited. Um so it, it was an interesting deal and they also I have been using huge screens at their last two events. I don't know if you were of the uh, S8 event, but they did a similar thing to mimic the infinite display. So they have these huge screens that go wall to wall uh, behind the speakers. And it, it's quite, yeah, it kind of draws you in. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying about it is all a bit deja vu. Uh, uh, <laughs> but from last year, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that dismiss this phone by saying, well, you know, note sales have been niche for for. Samsung, and it's true. But mm -hmm. I do think and it'd be interesting to see if you if you agree with me that you might see, you know, given that we know, well, hopefully there are no recalls, there are no, you know, this is going to stay in the market, right? So you will see this device have a little bit of the iPhone 7 Plus effect for Samsung, meaning that, you know, you're with the 7 Plus for Apple, you've seen a shift of the base. Uh, towards that higher end device and larger screen. And you had people buying it because it was really seen as the true flagship product for Apple. And I think the Note 8 is going to be doing that for Samsung. It's not just about, am I going to use the pen or not? You might never take out the pen. But I think the dual camera, the fact that both cameras have image stabilization, um, waterproof and, you know, some of the gimmicks uh, around uh, messaging, the fact that you can shoot um, the bokeh fat and, and actively decide how blurred your background is. It really feels like this is more than is for the people that want the large screen and the pen. It is. So... The other thing about it that I think is going to really affect it, though, just I, I feel like this is going to be a big kicker is the fact that it's it's way more expensive than buying a GS8 right now. 
Yeah. So I think it's starting at like 940 at a couple of the carriers uh, outright. And we don't really have subsidies like we used to back in the golden days. And I feel like the reason for that is because this is supposed to be like the top tier Samsung phone. Like this is the one that the Samsung diehards wait for every year because... You know, the Galaxy S8, that's just kind of, that's just the, the flagship that gets tossed out with all, you know, tossed in there with all the other ones. Like that's the iPhone competitor. That's the Google competitor. Whereas the note is like, Hey fans, this is the phone that was for you. And I think that might have been maybe part of why the note seven thing was set. I mean, besides the fact that it was exploding in people's pockets. Cause like that was, well, the possibility of that happening was just bad. It's bad. Yeah. Um, it's bad, absolutely. But uh, but I think the other part of it was just the fact that like this is kind of the fan phone. Yeah. And the fans, like, in, in a sense, Samsung, like, quote unquote, let down the fans by, mm. you know, having this phone not be a successful launch. And, you know, even like in some of the material that uh, they were just... Uh, presenting you know during the briefing it was very much focused on like the note is made for people who are fans of this series here are the fans we have made this phone for the fans we have made it safer for them and those are the customers that like we're really speaking to so that's yeah and and the fans get a discount too right if you were a note 7 user you get a pretty substantial discount on the note 8 which or the the note 5 Right, the the five or or the seven. That's right. So mm-hmm. you get to upgrade if you have an older model, uh, and then they they you know basically say again sorry for the seven <laughs> users um, to upgrade to update to this. But I, I think they're all nice gestures. I think to to really show that they are um, they're taking care of their fan base. Um, and you know we we did a a study soon after the event and then um survey monkey did a study and we got to analyze the data that came back from it and the brand is not being damaged not as much as we thought or as people might think today uh, i think that um samsung has done enough to recover from it and also i think generally and i don't mean this in a in a negative way but we as consumer uh, usually forget quite quickly and move on. Especially in this day and age. Uh, and it's really funny you say that, by the way, and I really apologize for bringing reality TV into this. But just, <laughs> but just last night on the Real Housewives of New York City reunion, uh, one of the housewives talked about how in this day and age, like scandals move more quickly than they did back in the days of just like celebrity magazines. And I feel like the same applies to the tech scandals. Because also yesterday, I was just reading about how journalists care more about Twitter than everybody else because we just live right. in this constant like yeah. chamber of <laughs> ah, everything's happening and I'm just sitting here doing nothing. So I feel like maybe that happened for the Note 7. It was just, you know, the FAA stopped telling people to say the alert before getting on the flight and then people forgot about it that quickly. What is it about the Note I mean, I think I, I'm curious what you think. I think I know, but I, I I don't know enough about this. What is it that makes it the fan phone? What what is it that makes people love this particular model, the larger, you know, not the not the flagship, but the larger model? What what is it that makes them so um, you know love it so much? 
I think there's two elements to it. I think the first one is that it's typically the future facing model. So the way that it's been with the notes in the past is that it'll have the specifications that you could sort of look look forward to in the next flagship. Like it's a nice little tease of like what everybody else is going to get who like didn't want to upgrade in the summer, right? You, you know, everybody's going to wait till the spring when everybody else does it, but you get it first, you know, cause you're the fan and you wanted it in the summer or whatever. Uh, and I think the second part is the exclusivity of the S pen and just how it's just for this one particular device. This device is really designed around the usage of this peripheral, this peripheral will unlock the software features that you're not going to get on the regular flagship. Uh, and you just, yeah, that's sort of those, and, those two things. And I think at the very beginning, it was, you know, the large, they have created the phablet segment and then everybody mm-hmm. got bigger. And so there's no phablet segment. There's just a smartphone segment now. But when the first one came out back in 2011, it was a way to differentiate you from anybody else, right? And so you are the one, exactly to uh, Flo's point about, you know, you, you want to get what others don't have. You want to do it a little bit earlier. So it's the summer release. But it was that screen that really people were after. And the pen at the very beginning wasn't actually that great of experience. I actually nope. wrote wrote a, a note <laughs> yesterday about how over the years... Uh, the pen has evolved and it, it's moved from, you know, being a crutch at the beginning where it was about trying to bridge you over to touch from mm-hmm. a mouse and keyboard experience to really now being a tool. And there are certain features in particular, the, the note on the, um, you know, taking notes of on the off screen. That is actually really interesting to me. And my argument in my note yesterday was, will we see Apple consider a pen for, well, sorry, a pencil, because it's different, a pencil (laughs) for the iPhone um, and not just for the iPad? Because if you are really living this magical world that is all digital, I never carry a proper pen and, and a piece of paper with me. And you are in that, oh, I need to, you know, write down a phone number or something very quickly. And the pen on, you know, a Surface or an iPad can do that, but they're not always with me. And Mm -hmm. so having, you know, having something that works with my phone would be very convenient. Clearly not the current pencil because it's going to be twice the size of the iPhone. But, you know, something there, I think the we are at the point where pencils and styli have become a tool. I think there's a strong argument to be made that, and I think maybe even we talked about it on this show previously, that Apple should, with the Plus phone, give serious consideration to if it's time to bring that Apple Pencil technology to the Plus phone, because you, you've seen it in uh, in something like the Note and how how people have enjoyed it. I, I know Flo and I talked about that when she was on the last time. I, it, Part of this also is that it's it is a niche phone. It is not the big mainstream phone. I think anytime mm. you're a fan of something that is slightly outside of the the sweet spot, you end up feeling kind of more you you, you have more um, skin in the game. Really, you you care more about it because you're part of a select group that likes this thing that isn't the most popular thing, and and the Note isn't the Galaxy 
S8 or right it is this yeah. it is the side project that the people who love it really love it and and it's true that is it is reminiscent in some ways of of uh of some Apple products but also you can find examples in pop culture and all sorts of other things about that it's like a a, a little bit of a cult a cult favorite kind of thing I don't know it's it was an uh, sorry, I just was going to say it was in an Ariana Grande uh, music video a couple of years ago. The note is a product, <laughs> which is strange. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I was going to say the price that you mentioned earlier plays a, a role in that as well. Yes, it's true. It limits, you know, how broadly this can can be, which is part of exactly the point that Jason, you were make, making now, because there's a how much you pay for something makes you feel like you're really buying something special. And I don't know, this masochistic thing that we do, right? When you buy, I don't know, a Prada handbag and you're paying $700 for it um, and then you never use it because you don't dare to put it on the floor anywhere. (laughs) But you feel good. And it's something that, for instance, you know, talking about Prada, actually LG didn't account for when they went for their Prada phone many, many years ago, because the price wasn't right. And so you felt that you were buying a knockoff, you weren't really buying a true Prada device. And it's interesting, because I think that, you know, how much I pay for something makes me feel special or not, always plays a role. Of course, to to iPhone users, that's going to be like a bargain, right? If it's true, that's going to come out at $1,400 or whatever it is. I wonder if the price tag is just because of, like, I wonder if it really is just um, a very practical reason that this phone just costs a lot because oh, it's I'm got, sure it does. Know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so maybe, I don't know. I, I imagine though they'll drop the price like significantly the way that they do with the GSA, just for those who may be wanting to hold out for a discount in the future. So is this going to be a a success in the same line? Do you think ultimately this is going to be like fine sales, the sales that you'd expect that the Note 7 issue won't won't be a won't be an issue and Samsung will be able to move ahead without any 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 problems, do you think, with this one? I think the fans were really waiting for this to come back. Uh, I mean, you do get pent up demand when you can't buy the old model. That helps. It's true. <laughs> and But also, that Note 7 was so nice. It was such a great, like device as to show us the direction that Samsung is heading, like what really matters to the company, like what it's going to sort of sell you on when it sells you its devices. It's selling you on this like really premium experience. And, you know, when I was trolling around forums, not trolling, trolling, but I was going around forums, I was saying a lot of people were just really bummed that they couldn't hold this phone anymore. They just wanted it so badly. It was that nice. Yeah, right. there, it's interesting. There are some people that actually, uh, the small majority, small minority, sorry, as, as Samsung will point out very quickly, because they want to make sure that everybody knows that there are no Note 7 in, on, you know, on, uh, in the wild. But some people did not want to give it back. And I think mm-hmm. that was some of the, the upset wasn't so much for the issue, but it was for the fact that they couldn't get a replacement. And so they were holding on to this thing, despite the fact that it could blow up, because they didn't want to buy something else. It was as simple as that. And and then a lot of people just set it out and, and say, okay, I'm not going to go to the Galaxy S or another vendor. I'm just going to wait. Well, September 15th, they can wait no longer. The Galaxy Note <laughs> 8 
8. No, we're not going to talk about number 7 anymore. The Note 8 will be in stores, so people can check it out. Yeah, I think they're bundling in some free stuff, too, by the way, which... If anybody wants to adopt it. All right, let's take a break. Before we move on to our next topic, let me tell you about one of our sponsors. This episode of Download brought to you in part by FreshBooks. If you own a small business, you know what a chore administrative work can be. It's overhead. It's a grind. It's not what you got in business to do, but you have to do it to keep your business running. You're not alone. More than 5 million different small business owners felt the same way until they discovered FreshBooks. FreshBooks is simple cloud accounting software that is transforming how small business owners handle their paperwork. It's great for invoicing. Create and send an invoice in less than 30 seconds. No formulas, no formatting, just perfect crafted invoices every time your clients can pay you directly online which often means you get paid a little bit faster because that invoice just pops up in their email a couple of clicks and they've paid you there's a super handy deposit feature so you can invoice for a payment up front when you're getting started with a project freshbooks will even tell you whether a client has looked at that invoice that you've sent them so you'll know if they haven't seen it yet or if they've seen it and aren't paying you and then you can act accordingly as you choose. So this is just a fraction of what FreshBooks can do for you. You owe it to yourself to break free from that boring administrative work. Let FreshBooks help you and your small business. You can get a 30-day free trial by going to freshbooks.com slash download FM. And please enter download in the how did you hear about us section. Thank you to FreshBooks for supporting download. Okay, topic number two in the New York Times this week, Daisuke Wakabayashi reported on how Apple's changed its approach to Project Titan, its famed self-driving Apple car project. Out are projects to both figuratively and literally reinvent the wheel. Let's change everything on the inside of the car. Do wheels need to be the way they are now? What if we had a totally round thing that seriously, (laughs) apparently this stuff was going on in much more focus, self-driving tech to be pioneered perhaps in an employee shuttle moving between different Apple campuses. So I wanted to check in on the Apple car and self-driving cars in general with, with all of you. Um, is this project, is Project Titan a good investment for Apple? Apple's got a lot of money. Um, they can invest it in a, in a bunch of different ways, but they have definitely spent a lot of time and energy on on something re- regarding self-driving cars and cars in general. What do you think, Carolina? Is is it is it a worthwhile investment for Apple to put its time and money in, into this? I think it's worth their money putting effort into autonomy in the broader mm. sense, which... I, I always was intrigued by the interview that um, Tim Cook gave where that's what he talked about. He never talked about a car. It talked about autonomous engines and and that can be very broad, right? And and I think that anytime if there's anything that could fit in the car, we tend to jump to the making a car when maybe they're not. It, it Maybe what they are really interested in is more of that robotic part of, you know, how do you make something, anything autonomous? And because the car is the most complicated thing, you know, to automate, then if you crack that, that means that there's a whole bunch of other things that you can do too. Um, that's how I was thinking about it. And, and maybe I read way too much in a sentence that he <laughs> said. Um, but I thought that would make a lot of sense. The other part from a car point of view that I think is interesting to Apple is the car as an extension of the home. 
And so, you know, obviously, Johnny, I spends a lot of time designing everything. And, you know, and then we have the book as well, that tells <laughs> us how much they pay attention to design. But, you know, that experience, Apple always sells you an experience. And that, uh, you know, the, the car being the extension of your living room, then I think was the other interesting part to Apple. Um, and I always thought as well that maybe we, if they did a car, uh, an actual car, maybe we were thinking about it the wrong way and they were thinking more about some sort of fleet versus you and I being able to go and buy a car at a garage in the same way that we do with, with a Tesla. Um, so there are options there where I think that it makes sense from an extension of the home experience to mastering that autonomy part of a device of some shape or form. Um, But I never thought that the whole car was what Apple was really after. Can you do cars if you don't do cars? Like, can you just do cars (laughs) as a technology company? That's an honest question. I mean, don't you have to know engines and stuff? (laughs) Well, there's a lot of software in the car that is separate right, from from the other bits and pieces that are in the car. So it it really depends um, what role you want to play. You know, for instance, it's interesting that, you know, Samsung went the acquisition way with Harman and Harman does a lot of that, you know, in-car experience stuff, right? Um and clearly Samsung sees an opportunity to be to get a chunk of that revenue before we get to fully driverless cars. Um, and, you know, from a more semiconductor and, and software perspective and not kind of a finished part. So I think that, that you don't necessarily have to do it all. And of course, you also can partner with somebody who makes cars and, and you know, have them do the car and, and you add your secret sauce to it to to deliver that experience but you know the argument of the tv for apple for instance the biggest argument against apple coming out with the tv was well you know they are a commodity oh they have you know a five-year replacement cycle man especially in california you guess you know hang on to your cars for forever um you know we don't do that in europe so much um so what would be the the return on investment that you would get there um unless you did a car as a service maybe i don't know i liked i liked your idea about it being an extension of of the home though because like we see this little battle for you know, artificial intelligence, little like assistance that we put into our home. Mm. And I'm like, just, I'm personally in, in right now as part of my beat, just kind of delving more into the smart home sector. And I wonder if maybe it's just being put on hold because they realize that first we need to build out this infrastructure of like artificial intelligence, because like you said, that would be the secret sauce. And why do you need we don't need to manufacture. You don't need to be the manufacturer of the car. Look at the way that like the fashion brands they've been, um, they've been working with technology companies to make technology infused products to sell, right. you know, it's, it would just be like that sort of thing. Just team up with 
jam or whatever. Well, and if if they really want to do this, uh, they can they could do something a strategic partnership or even buy somebody down the road. But it did. I, I was true. struck. A lot of a lot of places have have played this story, the Wakapayashi story in the in the Times about Apple re, sort of retrenching. But it looked to me like it was kind of a healthy move when when it looked like the designers rushed in and got really excited about like redesigning the dashboard and changing, asking whether the tires should be totally different. And it seems like what they did was exercise some discipline and say, wait a second, <laughs> like that's too much. Like we're, we're not going to reinvent every aspect of the car. Why don't we work on this autonomy part and see where it goes? And then, you know, down the road, they've got the money they can and they've got the clout. They can do something yeah. with it later. But it seems like they were they were so excited about like let's reinvent everything, and now it seems to be more restrained. Like just because you've got all the money in the world doesn't necessarily mean you need to spend it immediately. And it, so I think it's kind of an adult move by Apple to, to to like back off some of this stuff and say, wait a second, let's not reinvent the entire car. Let's just work on the autonomy part, which has so many hooks into so many other parts of learning and AI and things that are part of lots of. To Carolina's point. Lots of parts of uh, technology products that have nothing to do with cars. So it's uh, it's actually a better fit in a lot of ways for them to do that. And yeah, they could have a fleet. Carolina, you mentioned the fleet thing. I, I was listening to a podcast a, a few months ago, and that was that moment where it crystallized my thoughts about this, which is, yeah, Apple could make a self-driving car service, which is sort of where yeah. Uber wants to go. And you'd never mm-hmm. own an Apple car. They'd never need a dealership. They'd never need warranties. There would never be a, a, a price tag to buy a car. You'd just become a member of their service, and the car would come and take you where you wanted to go. And that seems much more realistic to me than that Apple's going to open dealerships in five or ten years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally isn't, agree. Isn't there a lot of like, uh, I don't know the technical terminology, but, or overhead. There we go. That's, that was the word I was thinking of. Isn't there like a lot of overhead to do a dealership? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, Tesla has had to open storefronts, and it's not like Apple doesn't have that same thing because they've got the real t- retail stores. But you got to have service centers. Tesla had, has had to build up their uh, their charging infrastructure as well, so people can get around. It's just like, do you, if you're Apple, do you want to be in the business of doing that? that even if you like bought, a lot of work. <laughs> even if Apple bought Chrysler, you know, Fiat Chrysler or something like that, uh, which they could do, then then they're in the business of making all sorts of cars. And do, is that what they want to do? Either I just I I don't. And see then it. they have to inherit like. Like all of that legacy right. and all of those well, look, people like in oh it's look so at much. the you know their approach <laughs> to the enterprise market and I think that kind of answers your question right they although there's a lot of opportunity for their devices in the enterprise they never wanted to build like an enterprise sales workforce and an enterprise you know kind of design or management or solution they partner. Yeah. And they let, you know, the people that have a name in the enterprise um, help them deliver what they want to deliver. But they don't want to have the uh, onerous burden of employing all the people that cater for this segment. So why would it be any different for the car? It's a beautiful way to put it. Onerous burden. <laughs> it Let, is. <laughs> let's, um, let's back up a step. Where do you think this is going like obviously lots of tech companies are really into this google uber apple uh in terms of where cars are going and self-driving technology is going is this ultimately going to be a place where the tech industry has a huge role or are they you know is the car industry gonna 
going to get it together? Where, where do you think this whole thing is going in the next 10 or 15 years? I, um, it, it's not an easy one, right? Because like I trust my car company to make the cars, but I wouldn't trust them with my life, given <laughs> how just, you know, the heating and other things in the car work. I was going to say, the moment for, you turn on the stereo or try to yeah, pair a Bluetooth, you're like, oh, no, no, That's no, no, right. No. Bluetooth <laughs> is the best example, right? Yeah, I would never trust them with my life. So I, I sure hope that tech has a role to play there. Um but I also see, you know, and, and this links to what you were just talking about from an Apple perspective, the that car experience, there's a lot of like turf wars that are going because look at just uh, Android Auto and CarPlay, you know, how long it's taken them um, for, from an industry perspective to roll those out. And now they are in cars, but new cars. And not everybody is as stupid as me that goes out and gets a new car after three years just because I want those in my car, right? Uh, that's why you lease the car, Carolina. But obviously, that didn't resonate with, with me at the time. Um, <laughs> but the retrofitting market, it's not quite there yet. So that is the, the only, I think, hindering factor of creating that experience and then being dependent on, okay, how do we retrofit this on all the cars that are out there? And so, how, you know, the technology might be ready in five years, but when is it that we're going to have uh, all the cars on the road are going to be drivers or they're going to have enough technology so that they see each other, they talk to each other, that is safe um, to be on the road uh, with. And I don't know, that's the part that I'm concerned about. And and because of how, you know, you get into the car manufacturer on one side and, and the tech on the other, will they be able to find a way to make that possible, not just about the new sales, but to make people that have older cars, um, you know, work. And, you know, if I look at the Android world, we can't even get people to upgrade their software. Um, Mm -hmm. So, Well, it definitely feels like we're not in a place where if we were inventing cars today, we would do it the way we did, right? (laughs) But it is what we've inherited. We've inherited this infrastructure, the existing, the the, the cars that are on the road, the gas stations, the roads themselves, and this whole model of owning cars, which I, you've got to feel like, if you've got cars that can drive themselves, not everybody needs to have a car in their driveway or in a garage all the time. They can be moving from place to place. And that totally changes the dynamics of if you're a car manufacturer, it does demand go way down because right. now you don't, not everybody, you know, everybody's buying a car and then leaving it parked for 95% of the time. That won't be the case anymore. So then the, that, how does that work in terms of the market? Um, I, I don't know. It, it seems like one of the challenges is that tech Tech has some part in this, and the car industry has some part of this, but there are these turf wars, and there are these questions like neither industry seems particularly well suited to solving them on their own, but nobody wants to really... I mean, I, I suppose if Google or Apple wanted to just buy a car maker and completely tear it apart, that might be a way to do it. But short of that, it seems like we're going to have this weird couple of decades where everybody's just kind of muddling along and doing it fitfully. I don't know. It, it, yeah. It's hard to, it's hard not to imagine that cars 20 years from now are not going to be completely different from how they are today. But what and how, how do we get there? What's the, you and, know, road, well, insert have- a road metaphor here for the road from here to there. I don't know. 
They have to be more affordable too because cars take a long time to pay off for a lot of people. So, yeah, oh, so they're so it's expensive. Like, yeah. Exactly. They're so expensive. It's not like getting a smartphone. Like I know a smartphone, yes, they're going upwards of like a thousand dollars, but for a lot of people that's more approachable than like seventeen thousand dollars and at that I uh it's just so much money to get a car. And I think the other part, uh, when you're looking at, at the software playing s- such a bigger role uh, compared to now, right, in the car, in the experience and the safety. But think about when you go and buy a car, even today, you know, where people never use what comes in the car as the navigation because it's terrible compared to what you get on your phone. Yet you still pay a premium, you know, and, and that premium can be anything from, you know, a thousand dollars and up. So am I, and then you get that for a year and then they contact you and say, oh, there's an update that costs $300 for your maps. <laughs> Is it going to yeah. be the same? Is it going to be, oh, there's an update so you don't die uh, and it's going to be $300. I, I don't, you know, how quickly are we going to have updates and, and is it for everybody? And, you know, there's, you made the point about gas stations. Look at how long it's taken to convert uh, the lovely telephone booths in in London, in the UK, the red ones that are really so cute. Mm-hmm. Now you can go and charge your phones there and their summer Wi-Fi hotspots and so forth. But f- for the longest time, there were phones that nobody used. So what's going to happen to the gas stations? Are they all going to just turn into, you know, charging, electric charging posts? And, you know, there's there's so much. And it's not just about tech and uh, car is government as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's going to be fun. Yikes. It's one of those places where I feel like sometimes technology stuff is not quite in the real world, right? So much of it is about information and moving things around and accessing information. And that then the tech industry every now and then spills out into the real world where they realize, and this is a great example of it, that your your software is now moving a heavy object through the world and it can do damage and hurt people. And there are regulations to stop that. And suddenly now you're being regulated by the government in ways that tech companies aren't used to. And it's, I don't know, it's, 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 a, it's a big muddle. And it's very clear that there are great improvements to be made, I think, to Flo's point, That's, like if you could pay a few thousand dollars a year f- to get around and, and have a car when you need it, but not have to buy a car, that's a huge ch- change, and it'll start in urban cores, but yeah. it will it will move out from there, and that that completely changes the game. Um, and and then, but then there are economic implications for that, and and the gas station thing is a great example where gas stations have to be in specific locations. They have to bury tanks in the ground. There are all sorts of environmental regulations. Mm -hmm. Car charging can happen anywhere, right? Like they're, they're converting lampposts in lots of cities into electric car chargers because they they're wired to those points. So you could totally do it. Um, But then what happens to the gas stations? I don't know. It's, it's uh, I, I think this is not, I think fundamentally this is not a problem that the tech industry can solve alone. And I don't think the tech industry is really, um, comfortable with not with going at um with partners if that makes sense i think a lot of people in tech figure that they can do it they can solve every problem and i don't think this is a problem they can solve alone right i think it's more complicated than that yeah Uh, because i think in the end when you consider all of that tech is actually the easy part of the equation yeah yeah, yeah. Regulations, economics, cultural change, too. Just the yeah. idea of, like, how do you tell somebody you shouldn't own a car anymore? It's like, but I want to own a car. It's like, well, yeah, you yeah, can. That's but, right. But we don't want to let you. 
It's going to be yes. really hard. That's going to be really hard because car people run deep. Yeah. They run generations and, deep. And then how do you do... Um, every time we talk about this, I mentioned, uh, just go listen to Red Barchetta by Rush. It came out in the 70s, but it's totally a song about a, an old man who keeps a gas car around when they've all been outlawed. And it's like, <laughs> that's totally going to happen. That, that, um, yeah. how, how do you get the self-driving cars? What, what do they have to retrofit the old cars in order to put out signals to let the, the computer cars know that there's a person driving a car coming around? Like that, that's all complicated. You can't just flip a switch and say on January first right. of twenty twenty five, no people drive cars anymore because that's not going to happen. What are you going to do with all the vintage muscle cars and like vintage, you it, know, European right? car? And I, I still want to appreciate those things. Sure, and those people should be able to appreciate those things if they want to. So how do you accommodate? Not that? on the road, though. <laughs> yeah, they may have to go to their special uh, motor parks where they. Yeah. So they'll get a self-driving car that will tow the car that can't drive mm. on its own, essentially. <laughs> a little pilot, little self-driving robot pilot. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a. Uh, I love the. It's big picture thinking about the future, and and the future mm-hmm. is unclear, but that sort of makes it fun. We have another topic, but before we get there, let me tell you about our other sponsor this week. This episode of Download brought to you in part by Jamf Now. You can manage your Apple devices from anywhere with Jamf now. When you first start your business, it's pretty easy to keep track of your own computer and phone, but then you grow, you start to buy more tech for your employees, it gets harder to keep track of everybody's Macs, iPhones, and iPads. Then try to figure out how secure that iPad is that your sales rep just lost. That's hard, especially when you're all in different locations. Jamf now makes this and a whole lot more much easier. You can configure settings, protect sensitive information, and even lock or wipe a device from absolutely anywhere. Jamf now secures your your stuff so you can focus on your business instead. No IT expertise needed. You can take this control yourself. You can find a lot more and create a free account today at jamf.com. That's J-A-M-F dot com slash download FM. And because you listen to download, you get to start securing your business immediately. Register your first three devices for free. It's absolutely free. And you can add more for just $2 per month per device. So go create your free account today and get started at jamf.com slash download FM, J-A-M-F dot com slash download FM. Thank you so much to Jamf now for their support of download. Now, before we move on to topic number three, I'd like to mention a story you might have missed, something that flew under the radar. We're headed into a little bit of a spacey kind of topic. So I would mention that SpaceX, Elon Musk's other other company, got some spacesuits this week, or at least showed off a picture of the new spacesuits. Turns out that these companies that are going to be providing uh, crew operations to the International Space Station, it's SpaceX and Boeing, at least, have they get to build their own suits as well to go in their ship. And so Boeing already has these uh, fancy blue ones. SpaceX's are black and white, and they look pretty cool. And Elon Musk uh, saying something very wise, as he sometimes does, says it's very hard to balance aesthetics and function, but he seems very confident that their spacesuit does that. Anyway, it's a it's spacesuit. It's cool and it's real. And it, it looks actually like works. a Daft Punk outfit, by the way. I know, totally <laughs> like it, does the right? helmet, and then you. But the, but then the suit is kind of fitted like a like a white motorcycle outfit. Maybe hard hard not to take uh, his comment about aesthetics and function as a shot against Boeing's blue spacesuit too, which is not the prettiest thing in the world. But I'm sure oh, it's very really? functional. Oh, it's fine. It's a big blue Aww. marshmallow. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. 
so topic number three is space related the total solar eclipse was monday the moon covers the sun ah the end of the world or not and if you were in a 60 mile wide swath across north america on monday in the late morning or early afternoon depending on where you were you got to see the the face of the moon cover the sun completely it was darkness in the middle of the daytime and uh it's cool so i wanted to mention that and talk about it because i was there and Stephen hackett you were somewhere else and also saw the the uh the sun be blotted out (laughs) it's very dramatic yeah i uh i went with my family we went up to uh central tennessee about uh about four hours away and yeah, it was incredible. So you, uh, people can go listen. We recorded an episode of our show, Lift Off, about it. That'll be in the show notes. But it was um, it was one of those those moments in life where everything else kind of stops. Actually, it had to for me because I had no cell service and could just yeah. kind of be be in the moment. And 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 totality really was uh, really was amazing. Yeah, I had never experienced it before, but I had read enough people who had to know that it would be a big deal. And I think my family didn't. They, they all went along with it. They're like, okay, you say it's a big deal. Okay. And then afterward, after we spent, we were in Idaho, uh, we spent, uh, you know, two minutes and 10 seconds in totality. And afterward, they're like, oh no, you, you totally undersold this. This was e- way better than we even expected. So, Aww. uh, although that makes me wonder, like, did I, they let me drag them a thousand miles for like, yeah, it'll be fine. Let's just humor him. And then they saw it and they're like, oh no, actually it was, it was good. Uh, Carolina and Flo, did you do anything? I know, uh, the Bay Area got a, a, I got some fog on on eclipse day did you make any attempts to do something on monday for the eclipse i uh threw out my back over the weekend because oh. i'm apparently an old soul and so was my back um <laughs> <laughs> so i was in bed and then i got up on monday and it was foggy all day where i yeah. live here in the north bay so i saw the eclipse through everyone's instagram posts so thank you social media nice for helping me <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get out of bed and I was in muscle relaxers. So that made it even more fun. That is fun. <laughs> Carolina, you could have you... enjoyed it more if you actually made the it's attempt to get true. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I didn't try very hard. I have to say I was, um, I, I would have done so if, um, <laughs> if, maybe my kid was around but she was in school and uh, one one thing that uh was interesting is how and i don't know if it was just our school but it was really very much like okay we're gonna keep all the kids inside we're gonna close the blinds so nobody's gonna (laughs) sue us because the kids look at the sun um which kind of took a lot of the fun away right so i um I went out a couple of times and did the very uh, kind of poor uh, selfie over my shoulder, not looking at the sun kind of thing. Uh, and of course, did nothing. I couldn't. So I, right. after a few attempts, I just put my thumb on the sun and tweeted that <laughs> as the partial <laughs> eclipse. <laughs> That'll um, do it. Yeah, but awesome. I noticed it was interesting because I, although I did not appreciate the the effect, what I did notice was how quiet it was and and it it, it was kind of spooky because it was really quiet you couldn't the dogs were super quiet uh indoors mm. and then outside i couldn't hear birds there was a bit of a breeze that wasn't there before um and so i i experienced that so i can only imagine if you experience that plus the actual eclipse how amazing that would be 
Yeah, it's a pretty remarkable experience. It's funny, the millions of people who travel to, to see the total eclipse, which is completely different from a partial eclipse because you, you get that moment where you can you can actually just stare right at the sun for two and a half minutes yeah. because it's the, the bad part is blocked off and you can see the solar corona and you can see stars and it's, it's nighttime and there's twilight so cool. all around you. We could see 360 degrees around of twilight because, you know, 30 miles away, the sun is still shining, but not, not where you are. It's pretty amazing amazing um and the communal aspect of it i think it's interesting this is a an event that exposes you know kids in school to concepts about uh, astronomy and about how the the sun and the moon and the earth all work together uh people taking road trips with their kids uh going to from california i I guess the traffic was really terrible on interstate five coming back from oregon because there are millions of californians who went to oregon to see it there but they get that experience and where we were in idaho i mean there were people from it was like 25 states plus several you know several countries and like many canadian provinces were all there it was just a a group of about a thousand people and it was uh it was really cool not not only everybody's enthusiastic about this this natural event occurring which is kind of interesting but then coming home uh we were walking our dog last night and we ran into some people who said oh you know we were we haven't seen you for a little while where where do you go and they're like, oh we went to the eclipse in idaho and they're like oh we went to the eclipse in oregon and everybody had those <laughs> kind of stories so it, there's a lot of um there are those stories about how people uh we mentioned this on liftoff like lost productivity for from people going outside to look at the eclipse or, or all of that and it's like you know i think every once in a while having a shared event that yeah. millions of people experience that it gives you some awe for the natural world and maybe helps you understand how the universe works a little bit better it's probably worth the lost productivity i think a, yeah. a shared positive event right, right? i think that yeah. that was the other thing it was being on twitter that day was just so refreshing because it wasn't about politics mm-hmm. it wasn't about mm-hmm. drama it was to exactly to your point something that we actually have no control over and it's so much bigger than we are. Um, and, and you get to to just enjoy something that has nothing to do to, with technology and, and uh, human beings, really. Um, and, and the <laughs> other part that made me f- laugh as far as, you know, here we are with technology and all of that. The amount of people that actually use the serial box viewer. Oh, yeah. It- <laughs> There were loads of those on my Facebook and Twitter posts of people that, here's what we done. <laughs> yeah, the pinhole camera thing is a really cool thing. And you can use anything. You can even like sort of squeeze your fingers together and make a little dot and watch the shadow. And it's 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 a little bit, if you want to get educational, that's kind of a, an amazing thing, too, that the dot that you see... Uh, when you when you uh, have that pinhole camera is not a dot because the pinhole is a circle. It's a dot because the sun is a circle. And when the right. sun is partially eclipsed, that dot isn't a dot anymore. And that's a that's a mind bending moment for a lot of people. Where it's like, oh wow, all the shadows now are, have little bites out of them. But uh, if you ever stood beneath a tree during a partial solar eclipse, you can look down at the at the shadows and they're all like little eclipse shadows. It's super weird but it's very cool those were the most amazing pictures for me because a lot of people posted those kind of the shadow on the and they're like all kind of half um like crescent moon type shadow and and they're they were really really neat also proving that astronomers have a little bit of a sense of humor i had several people (laughs) point out that one part of the eclipse is what they call the banana phase 
which is when the, the sun <laughs> is shaped like a banana. And, you know, it kind of is at that point. I think that's a ridiculous name for it, but fine. Let's go with it. The banana phase. Banana sun. Yeah. Ring, 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 ring. Bananas. No, it's good. And, and, and you know, St- Stephen, your, uh, your, your kids got to experience it too. I, I, I've got to think that Monday generated, uh, you know, probably lifelong interest in this sort of thing in millions of kids. Uh, you know, not everybody, obviously, but some kids will probably in 20 years say, well, the reason that I became a, an astronomer was because we went to that, we saw that total eclipse. I do think that that happens with an event like this too. Yeah, I think so. You know, mine are younger, uh, you know, from two to eight years old. And so at first it was just an exciting reason to miss a day of school. Sorry, (laughs) teachers. But yeah, I I think, you know, it's an opportunity to teach. And and I really like the idea. And I I sort of had that feeling, you know, I was in this field with, you know, maybe a hundred other people. We were in a really small group. People from all over the country. Uh, This one guy had come over from Uganda. Uh, His brother lived in Tennessee and they came together, which was incredible. And yeah, you just have this moment where kind of nothing else matters and we Mm. can all just kind of appreciate uh, something that is really rare to see and something that's really moving to see and powerful and doesn't, the rest of the stuff just doesn't matter for a couple minutes. And that, I found that really refreshing. Yeah. The communal, so much of the, of uh, social media lately has been, you know, awful things. Right. And it's nice to get that positive moment. And it's not like a, I mean, it could be like a sporting event or a rock concert or something like that. It is kind of like that, but those are so, um, limited in focus and this event was across thousands of miles and uh millions and millions of people and uh yeah anyway it was it was great there's another one in seven years i recommend it, it's going to go through it's in april i think of uh of 24 and it, yeah. it starts in Mazatlan, mexico and goes all the way up to the maritimes in canada and <gasps> and it covers dallas it covers cleveland uh, it covers buffalo and lots of area in the midwest um, so, you know, make plans. Don't miss it. It's pretty awesome. And that one will be a longer, longer totality too. It is, I mean, I, I want to say it's a once in a lifetime experience. Once you see it, you will want it to be more than once in a lifetime, Aww. but it's something that everybody should try to see if there, if you get a, uh, an eclipse near you. And for people in Europe who are listening, there's one in Spain in the next decade, I think. So that's something else to watch for. So yeah, it's pretty great. All right, we're almost done. I want to remind people before we go that it's membership season here at Relay FM. Uh, if you become a member, you support the shows that you listen to here, uh, including, of course, download by going to relay.fm slash membership. You can go there. You can support us directly. That's a great way to do it. And you get something out of it. Members Relay, there's a, there's a monthly newsletter, which Stephen Hackett puts together, which is pretty great. There are bonus episodes of your favorite podcasts and also podcasts that you maybe didn't even know existed. There will be a bonus download related episode. I think we're planning on crossing it over with clockwise and doing clock load or downwise or something like that. We'll see. And all the other shows on the network are getting bonus episodes of some kind or other. So there's bonus podcast feed, newsletter, and the good feeling that comes from knowing you support Relay FM. So check it out. Relay.fm slash membership. Um, what to look out for in the week ahead before we go, maybe in the next week, we'll find out when the new iPhone is coming out or at least (laughs) when they're going to announce it because we haven't heard anything from Apple yet. They seem to be furiously building at the Steve Jobs theater on the new Apple campus. I wonder if they're going to do it there, if they're going to do it somewhere else. I don't know. We don't know yet. Or it's Spider-Man the musical, which they're hosting for all the employees. 
Okay, sure. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's Sorry. it's an interesting choice, but they know you too, right? Tim Cook knows you too, so they can make that happen. They touch fingers that, that back one medicine. Time. That back medicine seems it's powerful. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that brings us to the end. That is the end of this edition of Download. Carolina, where can people find the stuff that you do? They can find it on tech.pinions, uh, which is uh, a, a really awesome uh, blog site where a lot of um, good analysts get together and share their thoughts. And they can find me on Twitter at Caro underscore Milanese uh, and uh, here sometimes or on the Tech Pinion uh, podcast uh, pretty much every Friday. Very nice. And Flo, where can people find the stuff that you do? All over the internet. Um, <laughs> try me first at florenceion.com. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat at Oh That Flow, and listen to me on the Relay Network, uh, on the Material Podcast, and on the Twit Network on All About Android. There you go. That is fantastic. Uh, Stephen Hackett, Eclipse Buddy, thank you very much for putting this together. Uh, thanks. I'm glad you're back. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. I have been your host, Jason Snell. And until next week, remember, we will be watching the headlines so you don't have to. See you next week, everybody. <laughs>